feel the Lord here in a special way in this room. Lord, we love you and we open up our hearts and our lives right now. Come on, Lord, if you've got a word for me, speak it to me right now, Lord. Speak to me today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You don't have to wait another service. You don't have to wait another day or another week. Come on, God is here to meet with you. God is here to transition you to where you need to be in your walk with God today. Come on, there's greater things in store for you. God's not done with your story yet. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You know, waiting is something that we're not really programmed to enjoy. It's not really in our makeup. It's not what we do, most of us, naturally in, a, in an easy way. Patience just doesn't come to us naturally. But the Bible does say that they that wait on the Lord. Not just waiting, but you're waiting on someone. And you're waiting on the Lord. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. But you got to wait on the Lord. It's all key about who you're waiting on. Can I just say it like this, that some of you have been waiting on some things from the Lord and abiding your time. But some of you have been transitioned to a waiting room. It's about where you are right now in your journey, your walk with God. If you went out in the middle of a pasture and you waited there, I don't know that you would get your need met. But if you're in a waiting room, it means that something is about to happen. If you go to the doctor's office and they put you in the waiting room, that's not a sign that you have been abandoned. Although sometimes it does feel that way. But if you're in that waiting room, it means that something is coming down the hallway. The door is going to open. Somebody's going to call your name and your appointment will be met. My goodness, but you've got to wait on God's timing. You've got to wait on the Lord. So when God's answer... And God's will meets God's timing. There's not a devil in hell that can stop it. There's not a human being on earth that can withstand it. But when God says it's time, my goodness, it's time. I feel like telling somebody in this room right now that now, now is the time. One more time, throw your hands up right now and say, God, I believe now is my time. Tell him, I believe today is my day of salvation. Come on, today is your day of salvation. If you need deliverance, if you need the Holy Ghost, if you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, today is that day. Today is the day of salvation. And if you believe that, put your hands together one more time because you love the Lord. My, my, I do feel a sweet presence of the Lord here today. 
And I am so excited to be here at Antioch and be a part of Chosen Youth Revival this weekend. I want to tell this church that you have a phenomenal youth group. And you should be, and I know you are, very Holy Ghost proud of them today. They have worshipped and sought the Lord this week. And, and so it's been our honor, our privilege to be here with, with all of them. Without further delay, I do want us to turn to the Word of the Lord. And I, I do have a few more words I want to say while you're turning there. But we'll be going to Hebrews chapter 11. And then John chapter 5 in our reading today. Hebrews 11, John chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I want to say to everyone, thank you for your hospitality, your kindness to myself and my family this week. Uh, all the gift bags, the meals, everything has been wonderful. And your youth pastors, brother and sister Malk, are doing a phenomenal job. And we know God's hand is on their life. We're so proud of this couple. And they reflect incredible leadership and training through the years. We know God has wonderful things in store for them. And, of course, I honor brother and sister Wright, your pastor. Thank you for allowing me to be with you this week. I do not take that lightly. God bless you, sir. And this church, my, what a great model of evangelism and mission-mindedness and discipleship. Thank you for all that you do. You're a great model in our movement, and you're a great power in this city. And so I do give you honor today as well. Hebrews chapter 11, if you have it, say amen. amen. Verse 39 says this, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Everybody say, they had a good thing. Verse 40, God having provided some better thing. You see the comparison there? They had a good thing, but God's got something better for you today. You've had some good experiences. Had some good encounters with God, and God's brought you to the house of the Lord today, maybe by a witness, or maybe by somebody inviting you, or a family member told you about Antioch. And you've had some good experiences, but God's brought you in this house so you can have something better than you've ever had before in your entire life. He's prepared better things for us. That they without us should not be made complete or perfect. Going to John chapter 5 verse 2. A familiar story for some in the house today. A story about a pool. Not a swimming pool, but a pool. Verse 2, now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, which means house of mercy. The Bible says, having five porches. Verse 3, and these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, an array and collection of different types of needs and situations. Notice what they were doing, though. They were... Waiting. Waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. That's what they were waiting on. Whosoever then first after troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Verse 5, And a certain man was there. Anytime the Bible says a certain man, it's trying to bring our attention to him and his situation. He was certain. He was unique. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie 
and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Will you be made whole? In other words, your wait is over. Do you want it? It's here. Will you be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I I don't have anyone. I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Notice that Jesus is there to fulfill the need and meet the answer, the questions of his life. And he's looking at the pool and he's looking at the angel, but he almost missed the answer that was standing right there, who was telling him, you don't have to wait anymore. The better thing has arrived on the porches of Bethesda. This morning I've come to preach to somebody that the better thing is here already in our midst. I declare that right now to you in faith that the better thing is already here. It's sitting right beside you. It's all around you in this house. It's enveloped us already in this service. The better thing is here and you can have it today. Why don't you reach your hands to heaven If you're able, one more time, and let's bless the Lord and ask Him to be with us for the remainder of the service, Lord. We bless Your name today in Your sanctuary. We know there's no God like You. We know there's no rock like You. That they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, that they shall not be moving. We rejoice in that word today. But God, I pray that You would allow us to have our ears open, God, that scales would fall from our eyes. And Lord, we would receive the better thing that You have plan for this church and plan for this youth group and plan for our families and our individual lives. And everybody said in Jesus name. Come on, say it like you mean it in Jesus name. God bless you. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord before you're seated. God bless you. You may be seated. Preaching about better things this morning. Someone once said a long time ago that good is always the enemy of better. Good is always the opposite of better or the enemy of better. He was telling us that in other words, if we want the better things of life, that there comes a time where we must be willing to leave behind the good things of life. It's true that you and I are experiencing the luxuries and the accommodations that we experience on a daily basis because basis because someone along the way decided that good was not good enough. I don't know about you this morning, but I am so, so thankful that somebody looked at the horse and carriage and said, that's pretty good, but I think I can do better. If you came to church on a horse and carriage or... Maybe you rode a mule to church. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. But I am thankful that I got in a Honda Accord today, even though it was long to me. And I drove to church in an air-conditioned environment. Somebody say amen. Thank goodness that people look at things and say it can be better. That even though it isn't broken, we should still fix it. And we should still improve it. Now, I think that we can see a great example of that today. When we stop and consider the cell phone technology journey that we're all on today. If you got a cell phone in the house today, wave your hand at me. Yeah, if you 
If you own a cell phone, you know that we're on this evolutionary journey about the development and progression of our cell phones. You know, there was a time where some of us had a trusty Motorola bag phone. Can I get a witness in the house today if that was you? We had our trusty Motorola bag phone the size of a suitcase, but we were very proud of it and we were very thankful for it. But the painful day came for you who waved your hand at me a moment ago where you had to leave behind the Motorola bag phone and you had to embrace the then new technology of the Nokia cell phone. How many of you had a Nokia cell phone back in the day? They were bulletproof. You could not kill those. You could not drown them. You could not burn. They were going to work. You guys remember the games that came on that phone? Snake. Somebody already said it. I promise I beat your highest score. Then you had to go from there to the flip phone technology. How many of you had a flip phone in the house? Your youth pastor had one back in the day he was telling me about. Yeah, we won't talk about that. But a flip phone technology. Man, that was so sleek and that was so neat. And I remember when the Razor came out, the Motorola Razor. Anybody have one of those? Man, our teenagers are sitting there. They're like, what in the world are they talking about? He's lost me. Just, just bear with me, guys. Trust me. It was, it was really the heyday because you had the Motorola Razor phone. And if you were dating a girl and you got really interested and it was serious you would swap the back of the Motorola Razor with her phone and you would carry it. It's kind of weird. You had a sil silver Motorola with a pink back on it, but it's... So thank goodness that we've left that behind. And today, we've moved on. And then there was the BlackBerry. Remember the BlackBerry with the first QWERTY, uh, QWERTY keyboard that you could type everything out? And it was had the track. Man, we thought that was awesome, the trackpad. Check, check this out, guys. It, it's crazy. And then, and then it kept going and kept going until they finally developed smartphones. And now we're using technology that's named after fruit and robots. I don't know what's going on. And today, if you're still using a bag phone, let me just stop and say that I salute you. God bless you. But we are where we are today in our cell phone advancement because somebody decided that the bag phone is good, but there's better. And somebody decided that the Nokia is alright, but there's the Motorola Razor. And somebody decided that the flip phone and the Blackberry is okay, but I know that there is better out there. And so they went out there and they got it. And today you and I are living a life that's somewhat better and somewhat easier because somebody decided that just because it works does not mean that I should be married to it or adhere to it for the rest of my life. And this morning I've come to tell you that the same principle applies to you and your experience and your encounter with God that if you want something if you want something better today that it's here that good enough is no longer good enough if you're tired of getting up every day and you're seeking God's face and you're praying but you don't have any power I've come to tell you that there is the gift of the Holy Ghost that is ready to fill your life today come on you might be a good man you might be a good woman but by the power of the Holy Ghost you can be better than you've ever been before 
Your marriage might be alright. It might be okay. It might be good enough. But God wants to move into your home. God wants to move into your relationships. And say it can be better than it's ever been before. And it's true. It is true that good things come to those who wait. It's also true that better things come to those who decide to go out and get them. I've come to tell you, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey today, that there is better and there's greater. You don't have to wait anymore. Whether this is your first time in church or you grew up in church like I did, laying down under the wooden pews and peeling chewing gum off the bottom of the pews, I've come to tell you, whatever your plight is, God's got something better for you. It does not matter if you've been living for God for 50 years. If you've been living for God for five years or or even five minutes. God's got more that he wants to unfold for you. It gets better and it gets sweeter as the days and the years go by. I've come to tell a child of God that's been living for God for a while that you have not plateaued yet in God. That there's greater things in store for your ministry. There's a greater anointing ahead of you today. That you have not seen all the miracles that God wants to bring to pass through your hands and through your prayers. But God has greater. And God has grander for you today. Oh, if you're ready for greater, say, I'm ready. If you're ready for better, say, I'm ready. Paul is a man, as we know, who wrote a majority of the New Testament that you and I are are blessed to read and live by and be transformed by. And I really appreciate Paul. I, I really do. He's he's a man who who he was, I would say he's probably a workaholic, Brother Jalen. Uh, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm just saying, you read about Paul and, you know, he's on a ship and instead of of just kind of taking it easy, he's fasting. And then we find that he goes to prison. Instead of chilling, you know, he tells, you know, I'm in prison. I can't do anything for the Lord. Oh, my goodness. I'm waiting. I can't be productive while I'm waiting. I can't produce anything while I'm waiting. The Bible says that Paul told Timothy, he said, bring my writing instruments. Bring my parchments because I still got something to produce in this prison. I've come to tell somebody that though you may be feeling like you're locked up and confined in a prison today, that does not mean that God cannot use you or use your situation to produce some things. Verses like, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me came out of the darkest prison cell that Paul had ever experienced. I've come to tell you, you may be sitting in a jail cell today, but that does not mean that God's anointing cannot come on you and you can begin to produce powerful revivals. Where was John? He was on Patmos when he wrote, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he wrote an entire book of the Bible that we believe that, that he would wrote. A lot of that came, that revelation came while he was on Patmos. And maybe you finish it afterwards. But the point is, it does not matter what your situation is. God can still expect us to produce. And we ought to produce while we're waiting in the waiting room. See that verse that they that wait on the Lord. All my life I thought it meant this. 
Brother Wright, that they, you know, they that wait on the Lord. What are you waiting on, the Lord? Okay, how long have you been waiting? 38 years. What are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. That's not what that verse means. Go back and read it. Study it. They that wait on the Lord, that word means to busy themselves with something. Could it be that oftentimes God walks into my waiting room and He does not recognize that I'm waiting on His will because I'm not doing anything while I'm waiting on His will? No, you've got to take the posture and the action of waiting. In other words, you've got to work while you're waiting. You can't wait for ministry and anointing to come shake you. You've got to work until it finds you and you find it. You can't wait for your miracle to come find you. You've got to be working and walking and doing something and believing and exercising faith and praising and worshiping until it comes. So when he comes in your room, he can recognize he's waiting. He's She's waiting. He's going to walk by the people who are just kind of like, I, 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 think, I think I'm waiting. No, God's looking for the posture of waiting. This is waiting. God, I'll worship you when I don't know. God, I'll worship you when I don't have answers. God, I'll worship you when I don't know if you're going to give me the financial miracle that I need. God, I'll worship you even though I'm sick, even though I'm, I'm destitute in relationship. God, I'm going to worship you because this is the posture of waiting. This is the posture of waiting. My goodness, you're powerful in your wait. If you'll just wait and busy yourself. Paul, he was there in prison. Verse 13 of chapter 3 of Philippians. And this is what Paul wrote. He said, he said I, I count myself not to have apprehended. Or rather, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forth unto those things which are before. Notice that reaching for the things in front of you is tied with forgetting and leaving behind. It's one action. In other words, you cannot reach to the future if you are still stuck in the past. Does that make sense? In other words, that if you are still living in the past promises of God, you hold on to those promises. But God is getting ready to fulfill those promises. But if you're not careful, those things which are behind when God begins transitioning you and begins to move you further into His will and His promise and His plan, that you will get distracted by the things which are behind you. Can I tell you that if it's behind you, it's behind you for a reason. There comes a time where you have to say, my vision and my focus is focused on what is ahead. You know, God did not create us or design us where backing up or going in reverse is really easy. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I'm about to knock into something or not. I just, I, I'm just going to keep going. All right, you guys good? Yell at me if I'm going to die or something. It's just awkward and it's, it's, it's cumbersome. It doesn't feel right, brother, right? It, right? Huh, no pun intended. <laughs> it just doesn't feel natural. It's just, it's just awkward and it's wrong. Why? Because God's design put my eyes in front of me. 
In other words, he says, Michael, yes, I did allow you to pivot your body and look behind where I've brought you at times and your testimony and the struggle that I brought you out of. But Michael, there comes a time where you have to turn your back on all of those things. Let your eyes focus on what is in front of you and forget those things which are behind and begin to reach for those things which are in front of you. Now that word forget, It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Paul said that I forget those things which are behind. I forget those things which are behind. That word behind means to take something and to let go of it. To release it. It's always there. But I'm no longer holding on to it. Now there's some that says you forgive and forget. I don't know that that's possible. Maybe it's possible by the grace of God. But I'm saying there comes a time where you have to release it. And he said, forget it. In other words, he said, release it and let it go and say, God, I cannot hold on to it anymore. I've got to leave that behind. I've got to leave that past behind. I've got to leave that scar. I've got to leave those things behind. Why are you doing that, Paul? Because he says, there's something that God's trying to give me. There's something better that God wants to deposit into my world today. And as long as I... As long as I'm holding on to the things which came from my past and what happened to me yesterday, I'll, I'll never get, I'll never get what I need. Whose phone is this? Can I borrow it? You care? Whose Bible is this? Can I, she doesn't want, okay, come on, help me out. Here you go. Oftentimes we live our lives with our hands already filled with something. It's already filled. It's the past. It's the things which should have been thrown behind us, but our hands are filled with it. Here's the interesting thing about God, at least what the God that, that I read about in the Bible and the God that I know and I serve, and we all serve the same God here today. And, and so here's the thing that I find about Him is that God is never going to come along to you and give you what He wants for you as long as your hands are filled. God's not going to already feel filled hands. He says, I'm not, I got other people that I can feel. I got other people that I can work with. But if you're standing there today and you're holding on to those things which God has asked you and He's ready to help you to release to Him, let go of it, forget it behind. And when you lay that thing aside, that's when God says, okay, here's the better. Here's the thing, Paul, that's in your future. Here's the thing that's ahead of you. I'm ready to feel it, but you can't get it unless you say, God, I'm going to make room for it. I've just come to tell you today that it's time to make room for the better. It's time to let go. It's time to release. It's time to repent. It's time to put it behind you and say, I'm reaching. Oh, somebody say, I'm reaching. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord today. Come on, we're reaching. I'm reaching. I'm reaching for those better things today. It's in the book of Corinthians that the same guy, everybody say same guy. Same guy, he's writing again, imagine that. He's writing and he is telling us a little bit about the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17, he really starts to talk about the Spirit of the Lord. Can I tell you that the Bible lets us know that we must be led by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons 
of God. What did he say in another place? He said, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We are to be led, walk and live by the spirit. But it's really easy. It's really easy at some point in time in your life when you get in your 30s. I'm still in my 30s. Somebody say, man, amen. When you get in your 30s to really start being led by other things. Yeah, I got to pay the bills. I, I, I got to make ends meet. I got to take care of my kids. They're acting like cannibals. I got to take care of my kids. I, I got to make this choice and I got to make this move and I got to do this thing and I got to go to this church and I got to change this in my life. Can I ask you, it's okay to change things, but have you heard from the Spirit? Have you heard from the voice of God before you make all those changes? Are you being led by the Spirit? Are you being led by what looks good on paper? My goodness, we've got to be led by the Spirit. Because as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. We've got to be led by the Spirit today. And so Paul tells us, he says, let me tell you a little bit about that Spirit who will lead you and guide you into greater things. Verse 17, he said, now the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. With your preacher voice, say the Lord. The Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Without question. There is liberty. Why do we praise and worship so much in this church? It's because we're trying to invite the Spirit of the Lord. Because the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. So that's why sometimes we let the preacher go. Right out of the gate. And that's why sometimes we say no. we got to have an atmosphere of praise. Because we want the spirit of the Lord to come down into what we're doing. Because if God doesn't show up. Honey I don't even want to go to church. But if we can get God in the house. Something can happen. If we can get God in this sanctuary. A life can be changed. And so where the spirit of the Lord comes. There is liberty. There's freedom. There's abundance. There's liberty to grow, to progress and expand. Here's an incredible thing about the Spirit of the Lord. It brings liberty and freedom. But the Spirit of the Lord also has the ability to create its own context and its own environment. Genesis tells us, Now the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord... Begin to move. In other words, if you want God to change chaos and darkness, the Bible said that the earth was without form and void. It was ugly. Everybody say it's ugly. It, it was a, a, a place of despair. It didn't have any form. It was dark blackness everywhere. There was nothing, no meaning, no definition. But the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came and began to move on it. And go out of this church today and look around at the wonders of creation. That's a result of what will happen when the Spirit of God begins to move on your marriage. When God begins to move on your family. When God begins to fill your life with His Spirit. He can create order where there is chaos he can bring definition where there is confusion but this is what paul said about the spirit of the lord it brings liberty it does all that things he says but but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the lord we're changed into the same image. In other words, he says, progressively, by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. Anybody want to be like Jesus today? 
He said, we are progressively becoming more and more like Him, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. But here's that word, those three words, glory to glory. Do you understand what that means? That means we go from one glorious experience to the next glorious experience. That our journey with God does not just stop with one glory. But it goes on to a greater glory. God did not expect you to just stop at repentance. God's got something glorious for you. God has baptism in Jesus' name. Where you put on the name of Jesus and He washes away all your sins. But it doesn't just stop there with believing and repentance and baptism. But it goes on from there. And He said, receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can receive the Holy Spirit and receive another glorious experience. From glory to glory to glory. It's not supposed to end anywhere. It's just supposed to continue going from glory to glory until we find ourselves in His glory in heaven. But here, here's what happens oftentimes. God brings us to the top of the mountain. Everybody good? Okay, good. God brings us to the top of the mountain. Woo! You celebrate how you want to on your mountain. That's how I celebrate on my mountain. Woo! Actually, I go to Chick-fil-A and celebrate, okay? Krispy Kreme donuts. Amen. Or Dunkin' Donuts. He's just, he's just laughing. He's like, yep. Um, Brother Wright, we go from one mountaintop. We're there. We feel really good. And God begins to show us. He says, well, Michael, I've got another mountain over there. Boy, we get excited about that. We're like, whoa, we shout. From glory to glory to glory. It's going to be great. So, God, how are we going to get over there? We're going to fly Delta first class? God, what you got in mind? Oh, you're going to translate me like you did the prophets? Come on, God, let's go. God says, no. Start walking. Come again, God? Are you using a, a back phone up there? I didn't hear you. Start walk. Walk. Yeah, you're breaking up. I can't, 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 can't hear you. Start walking. But God, the mountain's over there. No, start walking. All right, God, this is pretty good. So now we're going to take a bus? No? Okay. Uber? No. Okay. Donkey? Walk. Okay, yes, sir. Walk. And we find ourselves walking. And we're, we're wondering, man, I've been walking for a while. Is it okay if I go back here? It's good. We've been walking for a while. I just do this to keep me awake. You guys good? I've been walking for a while, man. Wow, walking, walking. Wait a minute, didn't God say something about a mountain? We begin to look, oh, I, that's the mountain I was on. Yeah, he told me about the mountain. Where is it? There it is. Okay, that's right, he, he's going to take me to the mountain. Man, this is a weird route that God's got me on. See, he, show, he shows Joseph the dreams, doesn't he? But he didn't show Joseph the pit and the palace and the rejection. And all the hurt and all the wound between the pit and the palace. Or the promise and the palace, rather. He didn't show them all that. No, because sometimes God gives you a dream. And then God wants to give you character to match the dream. Sometimes God gives you a glimpse of the mountaintop. And then he says, I want to give you an experience where you can maintain mountaintops the rest of your life. And so we're on this journey. And we take a turn. And then we all of a sudden can relate to the words of David. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Of the shadow 
of death. I will fear. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I will fear no evil. I'm going to tell somebody right now in the Holy Ghost, you begin to declare that in your home and over your mind and your emotions. I will fear no evil. You may be walking through the valley today. You may be going through the shadow of death. But declare the word of God. You don't have to fear evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house. It's coming. You're almost there. But we're going through this valley and we're wondering what in the world. It's happening. And it just gets lower and lower and lower and lower. And the promises that God told you about that mountaintop, you begin to look for it and you cannot seem to find it. And then you catch the mountaintop. Sometimes you can see the full majesty of what God has promised you. And sometimes you can only see bits and pieces of that mountaintop. But you've got to stay focused on what God has promised you. If God promised you he was going to bring your lost child back to God, he's going to do it. You've got to stay locked in on the... If he's promised this church, and I believe he has, that there's going to be prodigals return, you've got to stay fixed on that promise. Sometimes you go so low in the valley you can't even see the mountain. But you've got to stay locked on it. God, why do I have to go through the valley anyway? It's because sometimes God has to change our perspective. Sometimes God has to change how we have positioned ourselves, And we've allowed ourselves to, to become so focused on, on maybe the wrong things or maybe get distracted by other mountaintops. But sometimes God takes us down to the lowest of the low. Why? Because when we look up, that mountain seems so much larger and so much grander. When you're looking from one mountaintop to the next, it just looks like another plateau in your walk with God. It just looks like an another optional thing the gift of the Holy Ghost but I've come to tell you that God sometimes puts you in the valley and takes you through the depths so you can look up so one day when you stand on top of that mountain you can say it looked pretty good from the other mountain but I know how far the Lord has taken me I know how low I was in that valley I know how dark that shadow was in my life but now I know where God's taken me I know where God has placed me and next time he shows you another glory to glory you're going to say God I trust you somebody begin to rejoice in that right now I can trust God I'm going to preach to me right now in the name of Jesus come on trust you God I trust you today I trust you in the valley I trust you in the storm I trust you in the struggle It shall come to pass. I've come to tell somebody that it shall come to pass. And it is here right now. Oh, somebody grab hold of the word of the Lord. It shall come. It's here. It's here. I tell you it's here. It is. It is here. Come on, let go, let go, let go. Release, release right now. 
in the name of Jesus, release those things which are behind. Release those things through repentance. Release those things right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ah, in the name of Jesus. Come on, it was good enough. It got you to the house of the Lord today. Come on, it helped your family. But God's got something better for you today. Come on, I don't know what your family tree looks like. I don't know what your grandparents experiencing in God. I don't know what their walk was like. But I've come to tell you that God's got a deeper walk for you. God's got greater things for you. God's got something better. God's got something better. God's got something better. Come on, that's it. Just a few more moments. If this is new to you, just pray with us. Just pray with us. We're tearing in the house of the Lord. We're waiting to receive something from God right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if you feel the Lord pulling on your heart, just begin to pray. Come on, just begin to pray and respond to that. Say, God, I believe that the promises that you've said are mine. Come on, I believe the gift of the Holy Ghost is for me today. Come on, it's for us today. Come on, Paul, press. Press toward the mark. Press toward the high calling. Come on, get out of the comfort zone. Get out of the comfort zone and press. Come on, God wants to give you something you've never had before. But you've got to do something you've never done before. Come on, press. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Every heart turned toward God. Come on, every person saying a prayer to God right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, it's not the will of God for you to wonder. It's not the will of God for you to be puzzled. It's not the will of God for you to be confused and looking for direction. I've come to tell you direction is here today. Direction is here today. It's yours for the taking today. In the name, in the name, in the name. Just a few more moments. Let's keep tearing in His presence. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're going to continue in this vein, but I do feel to say a few more things. And anytime you want to respond and altar, you do so. You pray. Those that are praying, continue to do so. But here's what is the enemy of your promise. 
Here is what is the enemy of your promise. It's provision. It's something called provision. You could say it's the good enough. But Thomas, what are you talking about? Talking about how God had taken Israel out of Egypt. Out of bondage. How God had parted the Red Seas. How God had made the bitter water sweet through miracles. How God rained manna from heaven down at their feet every day. But when God took them to the brink of the promise. Some begin to say, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if that's really for us. What are you talking about? It's why He took you out of Egypt. It's why He brought you from that land and put you into the border of this land. What are you talking about? I'm talking about, I don't know if the promise is really for us. So the Bible says that Israel rejected and turned away from the promise and began to wander in a wilderness for 40 years. Everybody say 40. 40 long years. Kind of like the man in our text, 38 years. Wander in a wilderness for 40 years. Making a left hand turn for 10 years. A right hand turn for another 10. And another 10. And another 10. And the Bible says that while Israel was living outside of the promise of God, that God said, I will give you provision. The Bible said that He fed them. The Bible said that their shoes did not grow old. Neither did the garments that they wore grow old. But they, they were provided for. Can you imagine seeing me 40 years from now wearing the same suit and it looked brand new? It'd be a little weird, wouldn't it? But that's the provision of God. Some scholars say it meant that their clothes grew with them. Really convenient around Thanksgiving time. Provision. Food. Miracles. Signs in the desert. But they were wandering outside of the promise of God. You've got to come to a place where you're no longer going to settle for provision. God will give you provision. God will provide for your needs. But the Bible says, the writer says, that your father did eat manna in the wilderness and they are dead. Another writer said that their carcasses rotted in the wilderness. Wait a minute. I'm in the provision of God. God's blessing me, Brother Wright. God's providing my needs. He's paying my bills. This, this, this route that I've taken is provision. And that's good. But there comes a time where God says, are you going to be satisfied with provision alone? Are you going to be satisfied with tradition alone? My mom and dad grew up in a traditional Christian experience, but they came to a place where they discovered that there was more than what they had learned and more than what they had experienced. And they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they received baptism in Jesus' name. You come to a place where you have to say, Enough of provision. Because you can die with a belly full of provision 
and still be outside of the promises of God. But I've come to preach to somebody today that there's hope in this house. That God is calling your name today. And God is asking you, come on over to the promised land. Come on over to an experience like you've never had. Come on over to the place where there's a land flowing with milk and honey. You don't have to settle for manna that tastes like honey. You can have the real honey in the promised land today. Let's stand to our feet today. Come on. God's calling somebody out of provision. God's letting somebody know that there's promise. There is promise. There is promise here today. Come on, that's it. For a moment, let's pray. For a moment, let's pray. Come on, for a moment, let's press. I'm waiting on you. I'll just tell you right now. I'm waiting. I'm waiting whenever you're ready. I'm done whenever you're ready. There's promise here today. Anybody ready to press? Come on, that's it, Antioch. A powerful church already obtained the promises, but there's more promises. There's more promises. There's more miracles. There's more expansions. There's more that God wants to do. There's more vision. There's more future. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. I'm glad you believe. That's great. Keep believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's baptism in Jesus' name. There's a miracle for your life today. There's healings for you today. Come on, that's it. If you feel God tugging on your heart, we're going to open up. What we call an altar call here today. That's where we open up this front area. If you want to pray, and you want our believers in this house to pray with you, come on down here to this altar. We're not going to embarrass anybody. But if you want something from the Lord, we invite you to come down here to the altar today. Come on, our good pastor and his ministry team, they're ready to pray with you. Come on, do you feel the Spirit of God? Do you feel the promises pulling you out of the wilderness? Come on, He's got more for you. More for you. So come on, that's it. There's so many responding right now. There's so many reaching for God right now. If you don't know where to begin today, just begin to pray a prayer of repentance right where you are. 
That means that you ask the Lord to forgive you for every wrong you've ever done in your life. Come on, every sin. Just say, God, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my wrong. Forgive me, God. Come on, that's it. There's some people really getting hold of the promises in this room right now. God, forgive me for my past. Forgive me for my mistakes. Come on, make room for God to work. Hallelujah. Come on, make room right now. I repent of every sin. I'm sorry, God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there are people repenting right now. Various needs here. But everybody's got a promise here. Let's have the worship team come on up. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, ministers, that's it. Move through this house. There is a staggering move of the Holy Ghost here today. Some of you are on the border of your promise today. But you've got to press through just provision. You've got to press through the border into the promise. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus.